Welcome, grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and Jesus Christ our Lord. This is Brother Jimmy Fortunato, and you're listening to a sermon from the Pilgrim Baptist Church in Tennessee. For more information about our church, please visit us on the web at pilgrimbaptist.church. Okay, turn in your Bible to 2 Timothy, 2 Timothy chapter number 2. 2 Timothy chapter number 2. And the Bible says, verse number 1, Thou therefore, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus, and the things that thou hast heard of me among many witnesses, the same commit thou to faithful men who shall be able to teach others also. We're going to be spending some time in the first few verses of 2 Timothy over the next couple of weeks. We talked about uh, being able to teach, being teachable last Sunday. This Sunday, we are on being a faithful man or being a faithful woman. The Bible says the same commit thou to faithful men. God wants us to be faithful. It means firm in adherence to truth. It means loyal and true to allegiance. It means exact in attending to commands. How can we be faithful for, to our God? Exact in His commands. Have our true allegiance to Him and have firm adherence to His truth. It's like Paul in 1 Timothy 1.12. He says, And I thank Christ Jesus our Lord who hath enabled me for that He counted me faithful putting me into the ministry. I want God to count me faithful. I'm sure you want God to count you faithful. To be a faithful man or to be a faithful woman, you have to not you, you have to be able to practice what you preach. You have to be able to do what you say. 2 Timothy chapter 1 go to verse 13. It says, "Hold fast the form of sound words." We preached on that earlier. And then in 2 Timothy chapter number 3, Verse number 14, the Bible says, But continue thou in the things which thou hast learned and hast been assured of. We are either going to walk the walk or we're just running our mouths. We have to be able to walk the walk, not just talk. Hold fast. Continue thou in the things which thou hast learned. We have to be able to practice what we preach. Paul, let's turn over to Colossians chapter number 1. Colossians 1. Paul was able to recognize other faithful men like himself. And in Colossians chapter number 1, verse number 7, the Bible says, As ye also learned of Epaphras, our dear fellow servant, who is for you a faithful minister of Christ. He had a good friendship with Epaphras. And he gives a strong testimony of his goodness here. And you see the humility of Paul. He's saying, yeah, this guy, he's a good guy. He's a good fellow. He's a good minister. He's a good preacher. And Paul, Timothy, Epaphras, they were all faithful men that the local church could count on. And that's what we need as a New Testament local church. We need faithful men. We need faithful men, women that can be counted on. It 
So we want to be a faithful man. We want to be a faithful woman. Um, the next thing we're going to look at is in order for someone to be a faithful man or a faithful woman, they first need to learn. They have to be able to grow up as a faithful child. So let's look at it from, from this perspective. Um, in Titus, let's turn over to Titus. Titus chapter number 1. And in verse number 6, Titus chapter 1, verse number 6, and the Bible says, If any be blameless, the husband of one wife, having faithful children, not accused of riot or unruly. We want to raise our children, whether we're going to be a church leader or not, to be faithful. Why? Because the alternative is they're going to be accused of riotousness and being unruly. So that's why we want, that's one of the reasons why we want to train them to be faithful to God's word. You don't have to turn there, but Proverbs 11 13 says, A talebearer revealeth secrets, but he that is of a faithful spirit concealeth the matter. Talebearer is a meddlesome person. He's rude. He makes mischief by telling tales. That's a talebearer. That's why we tell our kids, hey, don't be a tattletale. Don't be a talebearer. Don't be a tattle rabbit. Proverbs 13, verse number 17, the Bible says, A wicked messenger falleth into mischief, but a faithful ambassador is help. You're unfaithful to the one who sent you to deliver the message would make you a liar and that would make you a wicked messenger. But the Bible says a faithful ambassador is help. A faithful ambassador is someone who benefits others, someone who helps others. He brings joy. He brings wholesomeness. He brings a sense of safety. And that's what we want to teach our children. How do we teach them to be faithful? Have a faithful spirit. Don't be a talebearer. Be a faithful ambassador. Don't be a wicked messenger. Train them to be faithful. They learn to be faithful first as a child. They're going to have a much better chance to be faithful as an adult. Proverbs 14, verse number 5. You can turn there. Proverbs 14, 5. The Bible says, a faithful witness will not lie, but a false witness will utter lies. How can you destroy your testimony of faithfulness? Just be caught lying. You could be the best preacher. You could be the best worker. You could be the best uh, public evangelist. You could be the best market down, whatever the best can be. But as soon as you're caught lying, it just ruins the whole thing. Lying is very, very important in God's eyes. If you do that, He hates it. So as Christians, we have to be able to be able. We have to be able to walk the walk. Because if not, we get caught with lies. That just ruins our testimony. Who's our faithful witness? Revelation 1. Let's go there.
Revelation chapter 1, verse 5. And from Jesus Christ, who is the faithful witness, and the first begotten of the dead, and the prince of the kings of the earth, unto him that loved us and washed us from our sins in his own blood, that is our faithful witness. The Bible says, he's the way, he's the truth, he's the life. We get into Jesus Christ, we're in the truth. That's where all truth is found. All liars will have their part in the lake of fire. How do we, well, I've told a lie. Yeah, you have, so have I. How do we escape that? Well, you better get into Jesus Christ. He's the truth. He's the truth. And he's our faithful witness. He will never utter a lie. And guess what? He doesn't want us to either. We teach our children not to lie. That's a good thing. Why? Why is lying wrong? The Bible says it's wrong. Okay. Uh, so third point. You learn to be faithful. Children learn to be faithful. Chances are when they grow up, young boys will turn into faithful husbands. Young girls learn to be faithful. They'll grow up to be faithful wives. There's the bigger picture that we keep in mind when, when raising children. They're going to become something. They're going to develop into something more than what they are right now. Faithfulness. Faithfulness. It's important to instill in children. Let's go over to Proverbs chapter number 15. How can we do this with kids? How do we do this? One, help them to choose maturity. The Bible says in Proverbs 15, 1, a soft answer turneth away wrath, but grievous words stir up anger. You ever meet kids and they just can kind of just stir the pot? And the next thing you know, something very minute just got brewed into some huge, big ordeal. How can they be faithful? Help them to choose maturity. A soft answer turneth away wrath. Not just to those around you, but to you. <laughs> Have you ever been in a situation where you gave not a soft answer and then you just got yourself dialed up five degrees hotter than you should be? How about the soft answer turns away your own wrath? <laughs> have you ever been calm and have given a soft answer and the other person is still going ballistic? It's not like if I give a soft answer, it guarantees that that guy is going to cool off. It's certainly helpful and it's certainly advised and we certainly should give a soft answer hoping that that person will dial it back a few notches. But my soft answer keeps me in check so I don't dial myself up five degrees hotter than the Lord would ought me to be. And you know, you start get going on something, next thing you know, you're in second gear, third gear, fourth gear, and you just wiped everybody out. 
It's your own answer that got you into trouble. It's my own answer that got me into trouble. So the Bible says, a soft answer turneth away wrath, but grievous words stir up anger. Two, two kids riding their bikes, you know, they're having a grand time and one's in front of the other. The one in the front stops. The one behind him decides this will be fun. And he runs the bicycle right into him and crashes into him. And what happened? He just stirred it up. Now the boy in the, in the front is upset. So he retaliates. The one in the back, hey, I'm just kidding. And next thing you know, it's a big stirring. We got to teach him to choose maturity. Teach him to choose and discern when things are appropriate. Choose maturity. Next, turn over to Proverbs 16. We should teach children choose to be prudent. A prudent young person, they'll be cautious. They'll be practically wise. They will be able to measure actions versus consequences. They'll be able to foresee evil. That's what we want to train our children to do. Foresee, hey, what's going to come of this? And a prudent young person, they're frugal, they're economical. They understand these things and they have to choose it. Proverbs 16, 21 says, let's start at verse 20. He that handleth a matter wisely shall find good. And whoso trusteth in the Lord, happy is he. Where does our happiness come from? Where do children's happiness come from? Trusting in the Lord. Ultimately, that's where true happiness comes from. Verse 21, the wise in heart shall be called prudent and the sweetness of the lips increaseth learning. The wise in heart shall be called prudent. A prudent young person, the Bible says, that's a wise young person. They're cautious. They measure actions versus consequences. They foresee evil. They're frugal. And the Bible says, that's a wise thing to do. Choose maturity. Help them choose to be prudent. Number three, help them. Let's get Ephesians chapter four. To choose to praise others. Help them praise brother, praise sister, praise mom, praise dad. Ephesians chapter number four. Verse number 29. Ephesians 4, 29, the Bible says, Let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, but that which is good to the use of edifying, that it may minister grace unto the hearers. You ever meet people and all you want to do is this? Just the word grace. Just it, it, almost when you say it, it almost defines it. If it Try to minister grace. Teach your kids to minister 
grace to brother, sister, mom, or dad. It's helpful. It's helpful. It helps you to become faithful. Corrupt communication is easier. Whatever's on your head, whatever's on your mind, you just say. It don't matter. You don't have to discern if it's appropriate or inappropriate, good or evil. If it's on the tip of their tongue, boom, there's a say. No self-control, no filter, no. Now, kids need to be trained. They need to be taught to be able to give grace unto the ear. Grace. Is what you're saying helping somebody else? Is it edifying them? We got to watch the corrupt communication. It comes out in subtle ways. Sometimes it's not in, a, in what a word that they say, like, shut up, sister, or shut up, brother. Right? That's an easy one. Sometimes it's in this, the eyes. How are they looking at brother? How are they looking at sister? How are they looking at mom or dad? What are they mouthing? What are they saying and mumbling under their breath? that they don't want people to hear, but we really heard them. All of that type of communication, God says it's corrupt. It won't minister grace unto hearers. We got to teach, train kids. We know that, right? Help them choose maturity. Help them choose to be prudent. Help them choose to praise and get rid of all that corrupt communication. Our last note on that, you find more joy, kids find more happiness in being able to recognize and praise what others have done. Now, they need to be trained to do that and getting out of that selfish mode. But they really do find more joy if they can really get a hold of that. Hey, do you see what sister did? Hey, do you see what my dad did? Hey, do you see what my mom did? Help them. Help them to get to that point. And next, let's get 1 Timothy 2. And 1 Timothy 4. Help them to choose godliness. First Timothy 2, verse number 2, the Bible says to lead a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and honesty. It's one thing to teach your kids to just live a quiet and peaceable life. There's people that live like that that aren't Christians. God qualifies that and says, in all godliness and honesty. And we talked about honesty and, and not lying and how that's going to help with a faithful testimony and how we can be faithful men and women, train our children to be faithful. But he wants us to lead a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness. A word that means, I don't know, let's be like God. <laughs> let's strive to be more like him rather than fill in the blank. The Bible says young ladies should strive to become Women professing godliness with good works. We see good works connected with godliness. It's a, it's a good thing to teach children that. 
1 Timothy 4. Verse number 7, the Bible says, But refuse profane and old wives' fables, and exercise thyself rather unto godliness. Sounds like it's going to take a little bit of work because we've got to exercise. We've got to teach our kids to exercise thyself rather unto godliness. Why? Well, apparently it's hard to refuse profane and old wise fables. That's why God tells us, but refuse profane and old wise fables. Rather, instead of doing that, exercise thyself rather unto godliness. And then he qualifies it in verse 8. He helps bring it into a natural idea here. For bodily exercise profiteth little, why? Because everybody knows that if you do a few push-ups and if you, you run a few laps and if you do some exercise, everybody, the natural man, everybody can see the results of that. So it's easy to relate to. I do exercise, I see that there's some profit there. So God says, hey, don't you get it? Godliness is profitable unto all things. Having promise of the life that is now it will benefit you now, and, and that is to come. It's much more beneficial. Everybody can relate to kids. Go out and play. Go get some exercise. Helps them feel better. Helps them burn some energy off. You know what God wants us to do? Train them to exer exercise them in godliness. Teach them what God says. Help them to love God's word. Read to them God's word. Share with them stories from the Bible. They are not going to learn to leave a, live a peaceable life in all godliness. And they are not going to learn how to exercise godliness through eight hours a day of Hollywood movies and rock and roll music. It is not going to happen. They're going to be exercised into secular humanism and then when they come to church and they hear a sermon, that's going to be hard because they've had eight hours of other exercise and now the preacher is the big mean monster. Not all the gore and, and, and gross stuff that you can get out of Hollywood sewer. Oh, that's fine. It, they're, that's great. Let them have fun. The preacher's the mean man. <laughs> He's the one that needs to have the... Uh, parental advisory sticker on him now. He's the big bad wolf. It's going to be real, 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 real hard when they get Hollywood sewage, witches are good, killing people and mowing them down with machine guns is good and fun, fornication is fine, and just go on down the line. You might as well just add in all the dress and all the music and all the... How in the world are they going to be able to get a Sunday school lesson or 
a Bible teaching lesson and not be totally shocked and freaked out if they've been injecting that into their veins all week. It's, it's going to be something that's nearly impossible to combat. Adults can make decisions. I guess you need to be careful in how you say that in these day and age. <laughs> Better than children. So I guess a better way to say it is adults' brains are more developed. Well, you can't even say that now either. <laughs> the children. I'm really backing myself into a corner on this one. Adults are supposed to be able to think and discern more clearer than children. This is why it's so important to really train and teach and protect them because their minds are so impressionable. Their hearts and their spirits and their soul, it's so impressionable. They're little imitators. You put Hollywood junk in front of them, they're going to imitate it. How do you know that? Well, go to the park and just watch the kids play a little bit. And before long, you'll see somebody with their phone and they'll have a little thing in their ears and then they're going to start moving around in ways that you... How did you learn that? By reading the Bible? <laughs> you learned that through what you put in. Garbage in, garbage out. Godliness in, godliness out. You shouldn't worry about the outside. Well, guess what? Everybody does worry about the outside. That's why you put garbage in, garbage comes out. I saw the most... Why in the world would any grown woman want to wear a shirt that says IP in the pool. You're an adult. You're a female. You're at a public park and your t-shirt says IP in the pool. Are you disgusting? And the answer is yes. I'm disgusting. Everybody look at me. I'm not ashamed of my vileness but you're a female. You're a woman. Yeah, I have my rights. I'd be, I was embarrassed for her, but there's no reason to be because she's completely fine with it. That's where we're at. Godliness, a long lost art. It is hard to re refuse profane and old wise fable. That's why God says, exercise. It's going to take a little bit of exercise. All right. Children learn to be faithful. Spouses, faithful uh, husband, or they learn to be a faithful wife, that will make them much more percentage will help them to become a faithful parent. And that's where most of us are at. How can we do that? How can we do that? Let's get Romans chapter 8 and 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Romans chapter 8 and 2 Corinthians chapter 5. How can we do that? First, way we can do that is to show the love of Jesus Christ our Lord. Romans chapter 8, verse 35, the Bible says, Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword? 
2 Corinthians chapter number 5. Verse number 14. The Bible says, For the love of Christ constraineth us. That means it causes you to press on. It urges you to move on. It excites you. It motivates you. For the love of Christ constraineth us, because we thus judge that if one died for all, then we're all dead. How can you show the love of Christ? By understanding the love of Christ. How? Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Nothing is. Nothing can. He died for all. All were dead. All were sinners. Kids fussing. Kids, you know, you, you, you're having a hard time with them. They have to know that you love them. You know what the worst way to go about preaching is? To be all hell, to be all fire, to be all wrath, to be all your dead in sins. Well, wait a minute. Isn't all that true? It is. It is true. And it does need to be preached. But it can't be the only thing that's preached. Because the Bible also says that God is love. And that love, for the love of Christ constraineth us. And you have to be able to blend those two together and understand God, God is love. Sin must be punished. Christ died for the ungodly, which is us. That's how much He loves us. So no matter what our kids do, they have to know that we love them. Do you think God looks down from heaven and sees sinful man and says, I really just love the way they sin? No. But He, pro he provided a way of redemption because He is love. And He provided a way for His wrath to be satisfied because He is love. He is. And you can't be all fire and death and hell and not balance that out with, wait a minute, God is love. But God commendeth His love toward us. In that while we were yet, check it out, sinners. He died for sinners. That's you. You're a sinner. Yep, you deserve death. Yes, you deserve hell. Yes, you deserve God's wrath. Yes, you would be just in pouring His wrath out on you as a sinful man. But He loves you so much, He died for you. Won't you trust the Savior? I don't like what you're doing, little Johnny. What you're doing is wrong. What you're doing is sin. What you're doing is going to hurt you. What you're doing is going to hurt others. You don't see it now. I see it. I love you. I don't want you to do that. Let me help you. They have to know that you love them. If you can't show your children that you love them, how are they ever going to see in the Bible, that God loves them. Well, my dad doesn't love me. My mom doesn't love me. Every time I mess up, as if every time dad and mom mess up, God doesn't love them. We can't have our kids have this disconnect. We want to help them put these pieces of the puzzle together a little easier and a little quicker. 
Now, of course, there's people that grow up in homes where there is no love. They get saved and they go on to do great things for God and praise God. That's how great a salvation is that he offers. But look, as Christian parents, why not obey the Bible and try to show that love of Christ to our children and not roll the dice on, well, they'll just figure it out on their own. There's been people that have been... We shouldn't use that as an excuse to just wear them out with no love. They need to be loved. They need to know that they are loved. So we have to show them the love of Christ. Number two, it's important. Uh, Colossians 3.21 says, Fathers, let's get that. Provoke not your children to anger. Let's get Colossians 3 and James 3. And Ephesians 4. Colossians 3. James 3. And Ephesians chapter number 4. Fathers, provoke not your children to anger, lest they be discouraged. Did you ever see a boy just walks around with his head down he's just discouraged? That's a sad sight to see. I remember a few. I'm thinking of a few boys right now. When I was teaching martial arts, I can think of a few. Right, they're, they're popping in my head right now as I'm talking about this, where they come in with their mom, and mom wants them to have martial art lessons, and you can just see that boy's discouraged. You can just see it in the way they walk, the way they hold their head, the way they talk to you, the way they respond, the way they interact with the other kids. They're just down. They're just discouraged. I wonder how much of that could be cured with a father just not provoking the poor boy. That's why the Bible says, provoke not your children to anger, lest they be discouraged. If they're always worn out, they can't process it. They can't put it together, their worth. So they're worn out. They're provoked to anger and they become discouraged. We don't want to do that. Fathers, mothers, we don't want to do that to our kids. Here's some examples how we can provoke people. Pride. Is it always the other guy's fault? Can it ever be our fault? Little brother, is it all... Is it always your sister's fault? It's never your fault. Sister, it's always someone else's fault. You can never take blame. That's pride. You know what God does with that? He resists that. God resisteth the proud, but he giveth grace. He giveth grace to the humble, unto the humble. Uh, James 3, we're in verse 17 on that. The Bible says, James 3, verse 17, but the wisdom that is from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, and easy to be entreated, full of mercy and good fruits, without partiality and without hypocrisy. Don't be angry. Don't be prideful. Don't be the control freak. Get some wisdom that's first pure, peaceable. Just be gentle. Easy 
easy to be entreated. It just everybody sometimes just needs to just chill out, relax, and think of the wisdom that is from above first, pure, peaceable, gentle, easy to be entreated, full of mercy and good fruits, without partiality and good night. How about without hypocrisy? Let's leave that out too. Man, that can really help stop a lot of provoked kids. And then Ephesians 4.25. Ephesians 4.25. Wherefore, putting away lying, speak every man truth with his neighbor, for we are members one of another. Speak the truth. Well, I don't lie. Yeah, but you exaggerated the truth. You're a liar. If I do that, I'm a liar. Speak the truth. Speak the truth. All right, let's get two more and then we'll move on to another thought here. Colossians chapter 3 and Hebrews chapter number 10. Colossians chapter 3, we read, Fathers, what should we not do? Provoke not your children to anger, lest they be discouraged. So let's wrap up this provoking people point. We saw uh, Colossians 3, right? Provoke not your children to anger. Let's go to our Hebrews 10 passage. Hebrews 10, verse number 24. What should we do? Hebrews 10, 24, and let us consider one another to provoke unto love and to good works. If you want your children to someday grow up to be a faithful husband or a faithful wife and then eventually a faithful parent, here's what we've got to do. Provoke them unto love and to good works. So that, that's what they will do. We want them to imitate that. All right, that's our answer for provoke not. That's what we should provoke on too. Uh, let's turn over to Ephesians 6. Ephesians chapter 6, verse number 4. And the Bible says there is one body. Oops, I'm sorry, Ephesians chapter 6, verse number 4. And ye fathers, provoke not your children to wrath, but bring them up in the nurture and the admonition of the Lord. How can they learn to be a faithful parent? One, they need to be shown the love of Christ. Two, we can't be provoking them we need to teach them not to provoke others. And three, we need to be willing to nurture and admonish them. I know that's a hard word for guys, but a little pat on the back, a little fist bump, a little headlock, uh, a little uh, fireman's carry over the shoulder goes a long way <laughs> in nurturing them. A little tussle around on the carpet goes a long way. Uh, kicking the soccer ball 
and then just kind of popping it in his gut a little bit goes a long way. That's nurturing them. It doesn't mean you sit down and be weird. You can be normal and nurture your son. You can't forget to nurture your daughter. She needs a fist bump, a hug, some extra snuggle time with dad. A little daddy-daughter date goes a long way. A little hold your elbow up a little higher on the ball bat goes a long way. We're not trying to put her in the major leagues. We're trying to nurture. That's all that is, nurturing. But too much, fathers provoke their children to wrath and force them up in the ways of the Lord. And it ain't going to happen. You're either going to bring them up in the nurture and the admonition of the Lord, or you're not going to nurture. You know what it means to feed someone is to nurture them. To promote growth is to nurture them. And to educate is to nurture them. That's all part of nurturing our children. And the Bible says, what's an, what, what does it mean to admonish? That's a warning. And that's a reprimand. If you... First of all, all of this is of the Lord. If you just reprimand them and if you just correct them without nurturing them, you're the same as the preacher that just preaches hell and fire without God's love. If you're always reprimanding and you're always correcting and you're always warning, but you're never nurturing, we're out of balance. Now you become the preacher that is all God's love. God is just love. He loves you. He loves me. He loves, oh, let's just hold hands and skip and we're going to sing Kumbaya and this is going to be great. We just love you. Oh, you, 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 you're so lovable. And never mentions all of sin, never mentions God's wrath, never mentions that preacher's out of balance too. The same way that the parent who all that parent does is nurture, 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 nurture. Then when it comes to a uh, time to correct or warn or reprimand, doesn't do it. We, it's not going to work. It has to be a balanced approach with nurturing and admonishing. And prayerfully, it's all of the Lord. 1 Corinthians 10.31, you don't have to turn there, but the Bible says, Whether therefore ye eat or drink, or whatsoever ye do, do all to the glory of God. You're parenting, hopefully you're doing it so God gets glory. You're reprimanding, you're nurturing, you're admonishing. Hopefully it's to the glory of God. Lastly, in closing, 
faithful man or faithful woman will receive a crown. Let's get Revelation chapter number 2 and James chapter number 1. Revelation chapter number 2, verse number 10, the Bible says, Fear none of those things which thou shalt suffer. Behold, the devil shall cast some of you into prison, that ye may be tried, and ye shall have tribulation ten days. Be thou faithful unto death, and I will give thee a crown of life. I will give thee a crown of life. James chapter 1, verse number 12. Blessed. James chapter 1, verse 12. Blessed is the man that endureth temptation. When he is tried, he shall receive the crown of life, which the Lord hath promised to them that love him. Those that love the Lord enough to deny temptation, they have a reward for victory over the things of this world. Often it's called the martyr's crown. The martyr's crown. How to be faithful, loving the Lord enough to deny the temptation of this world. With the Lord's help, we can do it. We can do it. Lastly, the Bible says, For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. Everybody's saved the same way. It's by God's grace through faith in Him. You want to be a faithful man or woman? You want your children to be faithful? You want them to grow up to be faithful spouses and faithful parents? Most important, you want them to be saved by grace through faith, put their faith in the Lord Jesus Christ for their salvation. That's the most important thing any of us can do. Would you bow with me, please? Father God, thank you for being faithful to us, giving us your word that we can trust, read, and believe. Help us to be better parents, better Christians. Apply what we've learned in our lives this week as we go our separate ways. We do ask in Jesus Christ's name, amen, amen. Thanks a bunch for listening. For more information about Pilgrim Baptist Church, be sure to visit us online at pilgrimbaptist.church, where you can also send me a personal message or learn more about joining us for a church service. And remember, Christ is all.